Hello, friends, and welcome back to this week's episode of In Depth with Beth and Seth, your favorite podcast from Plymouth Congregational Church in Minneapolis. My name is Seth Patterson, and I am your minister for spiritual formation and theater, and I am so glad to be with you. And as always, it is my honor to be with my friend and colleague, Beth. Hello. Hello. Hi, Hi, Seth. Hello, everyone. My name is Beth Hoffman Faith, and I am the Minister for Congregational Care and Worship at Plymouth Congregational Church. That's it? Just Congregational Care and Worship? That's it? (laughs) Yes, that's it. Just those tiny little pieces of church life together. And you only work on Sundays, I think, right? (laughs) Isn't that an odd thing? And, And the other thing that's interesting is that people seem to think that we all take Mondays off. I've never taken a Monday off at Plymouth. No, I've never taken Mondays off either. I wonder, I don't know if it was a prior practice, but almost every Monday I get some kind of message saying, oh, I think this is your day off. So I'll talk to you tomorrow. But (laughs) me too. we hope for Fridays off. That's our intention. (laughs) We're more successful than others, but. Right. Well, we are here to talk about some talking you did yesterday with a sermon. It is called Feeding the Flock, The Duality of Discipleship. And this was on October 3rd, 2021. Thank you for preaching this sermon for my mother on her birthday. Oh, that was very wow. nice of you. Happy birthday, Mrs. Patterson. Because she does love sheep, which is true. Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. She and my dad went to Ireland some years ago to try to find my dad's ancestors. And sheep really was the purpose of the trip for my mom. She just loved the flocks of sheep and they would come up to the road and Irish sheep. That is really interesting because what I have found in my not so scientific research is that sheep can be sort of polarizing. People either love sheep, find them, you know, are compelled by them in some way. And they're then on the other side of the spectrum are people who are afraid or not at all appreciative of sheep. Where do you fall, Beth, on the sheep polarization question. You know, I'm a lover of most animals, so I haven't had a lot of experience with sheep, which I confessed yesterday, but I wouldn't avoid them. And I did go to see the lambs at the Minnesota, at the University of Minnesota this spring, and they were, they're really cute. They're really cute. I love the bleat, the, I know. especially from those little teeny ones, that little, yeah, I could see why they call goats. And I know we're talking about sheep, but goats and sheep, I think sound similar. Mm. And when they make their sounds, they sound like kids. And that's why we call our children kids because they call baby goats kids. Kids. I am also on the pro sheep side of the question. All right. I like them. I like their wool. I like their sounds. Mm. I like that they live and exist. They're more complicated creatures than I think people maybe give them credit for, as I explained yesterday. Yeah. You spoke in your sermon, you spoke highly of sheep. Uh, mm-hmm. You gave many statistics, which or facts that you pulled up on the internet. So they're of course <laughs> true in which spoke highly of sheep. And you had a few people comment on that afterwards. Right. I did have several people commend me for my sheep knowledge. So I guess what I found was true <laughs> and I appreciate that. But I also had someone say to me, thank you for not saying that sheep are dumb because that seems to be a misconception about sheep is we think because they're herd animals and they, they're they also followers. So they'll follow the sheep in front of them. And that could include taking them to places they may not want to go, they get this persona or um, stereotype that they're not smart at all. But that is not true. They're actually really pretty intelligent animals. I remember being told sometime in my life that sheep, if they're in a barn 
and the sun is coming through a slat in the barn. And because of the dust and hay that gets kicked up, you know how it kind of creates like you can see the light mm-hmm. that they won't cross it because they think it's a it's solid thing mm. as an example of the stupidity of sheep. But I don't remember who told me that or why, but I've always held it as if it was somehow true, an example of stupid sheep. But well, I've been the, corrected. Well, and one of the things that intrigued me most in my, you know, again, very extensive research on sheep is that there's a recognition piece that they mm-hmm. that sheep have the ability to recognize up to 50. Again, I don't know who studied this and how they figured this out, but this I found this in multiple sources, so I don't think people were making it up. And that the, so they have this capacity for recognition, which implies they know relationship, right? Mm-hmm. And they You said they mourn the death and loss of yes, members they, of their flock. Yes. But if you shear them, then they don't recognize each other. So when you change their appearance in any way, they lose that sense of, of recognition. They're just like people. Well, especially now in COVID. How many people are we not recognizing because we're either wearing face masks or our hair has changed color? I've had so many people not recognize me at Plymouth uh, because my hair is dramatically different than it was a year ago. Which is awesome, by the way. It oh, is really <laughs> great. Thank you. I saw someone today outside of Plymouth who I haven't seen. And even my name didn't ring. Well, I had to, I had to remind this person who I was. I was wearing a face mask. And he, he said, oh, wow. You know, wow. You look <laughs> oh. different. And I, <laughs> so. So this is part of continuing to be part of our command to preach series. And this is the first one that you've done in this series. So tell us, tell us a bit about how you received this and where it's it came so, from and who. And I hope that people are aware of this series, Command to Preach. It has been a lot of fun, and it's thanks to you, Seth, because it was your idea that we have invited people to submit some a scripture passage. And I've been surprised that the submissions, at least the ones we've drawn so far, I know that there are lots more to pick from, have been relatively familiar passages. Betsy Cussler submitted these two scriptures, the 23rd Psalm, which as I said yesterday, you know, has expanded the periphery of Christianity. I mean, people have an awareness of the 23rd Psalm, even if they aren't really affiliated with any religion. Uh, And she paired it with a section of the Gospel of John in the very last chapter, both including images of, of sheep and shepherd. And what I found really wonderful about this is that I engaged Betsy in conversation about why she chose this, these passages and and what she hoped to be. And she actually gave me a lot of then food for thought as I was constructing the sermon. So she's the one that lifted up for her, particularly in the John text in which Jesus says, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep, you know, that she was taking that as a literal command. And that's what led me down the road of talking about sort of food scarcity in Minnesota, but it's that process. And I know that you had some conversation with the man who chose your scripture or who submitted the scripture you preached on from Ruth. And so that has really been a blessing in this. Um, You know, oftentimes we'll choose a theme and then we're kind of on our own independent agents uh, doing our own research, figuring out how to make sense of whatever scripture we've chosen. It's kind of fun to do this in a partnership way. And all of you submitting these things, you better be careful how thoughtful you are. We're going to start making you preach on them next because you all are seeing things really clearly in in wonderful ways. Right. And the next command to preach is we're going to command you all to preach. (laughs) 
Oh, I kind of like that twist. I did mention in the first service yesterday that we have far more submissions now than we do weeks before Advent, which is how long we're going to do this particular series. I would expect a command to preach to to happen uh, next year as well. So you mentioned a moment ago that you really focused on the literal feeding and talking about the food insecurity in Minnesota, specifically in our very home, in our very way. And some of these are really stark. So I'm going to repeat two of them. 37% of Minnesotans. So if you know 100 people, 37 of them reported some level of food insecurity. And that is, I knew it was significant, but that is a much higher number than I would have guessed. I would have guessed in the high teens, low 20s or something. And then you, you ended the part about these statistics with saying, if Minnesota food shelves were open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, more than seven people would visit a food shelf every minute. Oh, that one, that particular statistic really wow. gave me great pause along with the number. It's like 3.8 million visits to the, to a food shelf in yeah. 2020. Really astounding. And so, yes, when Jesus says, to his disciples, and he's ultimately then talking to us, feed my sheep. We can take that literally. There's a lot we don't take literally in the Bible. We have to interpret it. But that one, I think we could take to heart. And as I encouraged through my sermon, this is something we can do. There's a lot in the world that we may not have the capacity to change, but we can make sure our neighbors have food on their tables. There's just no reason why. There's so much. There's more than enough. Think about how much food we throw out every day. Yeah, um, those numbers are also incredible, mm-hmm. especially in a climate change way, in addition to a feeding in a day-to-day life way. one of There's a book called Drawdown that ranks all of the things, all the solutions that are out there in order of importance of what should be invested in first, second, all the way to like 85th. I think there was about 85 options. And very high up there was what do we do? How do we do better with the food that we do have? Mm -hmm. Both because there's so much hunger and food insecurity and so much of what we have goes to waste on the way to us, what we don't buy and then what we do buy and don't eat. Mm -hmm. And how do we deal with that situation better? Because a lot of it then not only goes to waste and it's not consumed, but becomes disastrous climate wise and Mm -hmm. environmentally. Because it, when it's not consumed, it creates methane and as it decomposes. So it's huge. Well, and it's interesting. I mean, sort of one of the points of my sermon was to think about these two scriptures in partnership. And again, Betsy helped set that up. The 23rd Psalm is an invitation to know the divine shepherd and to, or to realize how the divine shepherd is with us in every moment. So Betsy's question to me was, or observation was, this is the text that invites us to explore what we need. And then the John text invites us to think about what we can give. Yeah. And to me, that is, I mean, that is the duality. As I love that you use duality. <laughs> that is very important to me as a listener that you use that. And it, it was part of the title to speak on the duality of things and how we each sit in multiple places and different contexts and different privileges in different ways is so important. Well, and as I was writing the sermon, I've been thinking a lot about what I've been hearing from people, which is the sense of depletion and exhaustion 
and anxiety over whatever is next and angst over what is now. And I was really taken by someone who said to me recently, you know, that I, that they leave church thinking that they're not doing enough. The the message seems to be, we have to do, do, do. And we do preach a lot on how to be active in the world and address the places that need change. And so you have to partner that with something. You, you can't give, give, give if you don't fill up. And I know a lot of people, faithful people who are really good at one or the other of those. They're either they're really grounded in spiritual practice, but they're not particularly active in the hurts of the world, or they give everything they've got to every particular need there is and feel depleted because they just don't know how to fill up. They don't know how to fill that well that's really empty. And I believe that the charge Mm -hmm. of discipleship is to move down a path where we are indeed doing both. I really appreciate that. And and you use the, the concept of being a bridge. You say the challenge for the disciples was to be the bridge for someone else to experience justice. And, and that concept of bridge, I think, is a good one as you speak about what you, what you said, because then you are both. You are both rooted on two sides of a bank, on two sides of a gorge, that you, you are the thing that is. A bridge doesn't work if it's not firmly rooted both sides. Mm. I cannot work if I'm not both doing and receiving, if I'm both not giving and receiving. And I had a conversation with a lay leader at Plymouth uh, last week. They thought that Plymouth was confused about who it wanted to be, that there was a group of people that wanted it to be a place, like you're saying, that they show up and they receive the deep, meaningful love and words and music and community. And that is what our purpose is. And then this person described that there's another group of people who see this as the place where we gather to go, then go do something out there. What I tried to do in my conversation with them is help know that these two things are cyclical. They reinforce each other. And I really like the idea of a of bridge that you introduced, that we only do one well if we're doing the other well. Mm. And one feeds the other. One connects the other. And we are the bridge between the two. That has a very helpful image for me. Well, and if we are going to return to our sheep uh, conversation and sheep imagery, let's, you know, we are both sheep and shepherd. Yeah. As people of faith, we are called to follow the divine source, to follow the divine shepherd, and to also go out and shepherd a herding human flock. That visualization helps me a lot, particularly if I'm feeling kind of dusty and dry in one of those roles, that it's not either or, but it's a both and kind of life. A both and kind of life. (laughs) There's our title. (laughs) Indeed. Thank you all for joining us once again. We would love to hear your thoughts on this duality on hunger and food insecurity or sheep. If you know more about sheep that you want to share with us, we would love to learn more (laughs) about sheep. Please contact my email is Seth P at Plymouth.org. Beth says Beth F at Plymouth.org. And we are always happy to hear from you. Thank you, Beth, for preaching a sermon worth talking about. Always good to chat with you, Seth. Be well, everyone. 